Welcome to the podcast. I'm Chris Lockhart. This is Consultants Saying Things. Today, we're actually talking about uh, a subject that I think is uh, one of the top buzzwords that I'm, I encounter uh, on, a, on a day-to-day basis, uh, the concept of DevOps and uh, you know, delivery execution and um, you know, using methodologies such as Agile and things of that nature. And we, uh, in addition to Phil Yanoff and Bill Bensing, we have a guest, uh, Pete Hurd, who uh, is joining us from uh, over in the UK. Uh, Pete is the founder of uh, Logic Room and uh, has been involved in uh, development and delivery and creating you know, really uh, high-performing teams uh, for his clients for a number of years. So um, co- consider him an expert in the field. I think it's, uh, it's a pretty good discussion. So uh, hopefully you'll join us for consultants saying things, the one about DevOps, and uh, buckle up. Here we go. Maybe maybe you could give us like the two minute overview of sort of your view of you know what it means to deliver effectively, right? And 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 then we can talk about maybe ways that that you know we can we can make that happen better for our clients. I guess it, you know in terms of uh, you know actually delivering uh, working software for companies, uh, you know, be it be it you know small you know sort of single instance web apps to you know massive platforms, and um, I think you know. What delivery actually means to me is 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 you know doing it well, and you know when when you actually the, the history I've got is sort of you know in things like test uh, test driven development and automation, and you know when I actually sit down and I, I look at agile and you know test driven development and all these things and now DevOps, uh, most of it comes down to removing uncertainty, and when you you know when you remove uncertainty what you're basically what you're trying to say is that as an as a sort of independent unit within the business be that myself as a developer or myself as part of a team or that team as part of a a business function is that we can give complete clarity in terms of what we are delivering to give a very much a you know a red light green light indication as to whether it works and the definition of it works is you know is obviously flexible and uh, you know probably talk more about that later um but you know in terms of being able to actually say you know yes it does completely work or no it doesn't completely work is ultimately what all of these things are trying to get down to and you know part of that is to remove that uncertainty um from the whole from the whole you know, chain and um, the delivery chain. I think a lot of uh, a, a lot of people that are working on you know some of these methodologies are looking at it as a way to speed things up, right? To be faster at doing something, right? And what I hear you saying is, you know, the, the, it's 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 maybe more around clarity and certainty about mm. what it is that you're doing, yeah. right? I would say you could do DevOps without automation. When I look at what DevOps is in general, you think about handoffs and flow and how things go to achieve quality. The definition of done is fundamentally what's the definition of quality. So I could, uh, and I'd like to see what you think about this. I would almost say that um, I was writing, I wanted to write this Pete for a long time. I said DevOps is dead. Actually, I think it's become more DevOps is extremely bastardized um, or misunderstood. And so I'd almost say like you could do DevOps without automation, but it comes back to what you're talking about, the definition of done. And I think this is where most people probably lose a bit of focus is they want to get in GitLab, they want to get in Jenkins, they want to get in um, Ansible, they want to get in Puppet Chef, whatnot. But that's mm-hmm. the hows. Nobody's talking about the what. And there's the what just to figure out what you're creating and then what defines done. It, it, yeah, it's interesting because I've always 
obviously, like you say, you know, everybody's got their own opinion on what DevOps is, just like everybody had their own opinion on what Agile is. And, you know, and I think these are great frameworks for improving it because ultimately what they come down to is a language. And the idea behind a language is that you encapsulate a whole load of meaning underneath one word, and then that makes it easier to communicate. Otherwise, you're talking about nuts and bolts when you need to be talking about the car and the roads, you know. And um, I, I guess the way that I sort of summed up uh, DevOps was like it's like a cultural thing it's like a culture of automation um, and it's a culture of integration um, but it's interesting the way that you're, you're looking at that it's like well actually that's not really what DevOps is about you know it's about the outcome to that and and I guess in a way you know you're right the outcome if it's about removing risk doesn't necessarily need you mean automation need automation I mean the definition of risk in a business is something where you burn up cash too quickly and you go out of business I mean that is the most risky situation to be in well if I'm going to burn up like you know a hundred thousand pound automating something but it's only going to bring me ninety nine thousand nine hundred ninety nine dollars and ninety nine pence um you know that's a high <laughs> that's too much risk right but if i can do that job for 80 grand with engineers who are absolutely certain that the job will be done um pretty good engineers i guess but you know <laughs> they're out there i'm sure <laughs> you, they work here obviously um, but you know then yeah like it's not really about the automation it's like it's about you know that clarity um which is much more which is interesting because that's much more about the way that you actually come to agreement with somebody what's important and you know i think that the journey that i've been on when i first started logic room is all about you know that automation is important tdd is important but but now i think where we've got to the company is our appreciation of uh you have to find your own way and that every team is different and that every situation is different and you what works in one situation and context won't necessarily work in the other um, which is why devops can be the things like devops and agile can be a little bit um, worrying sometimes because it's just a cookie cutter approach you know here's your devops here's your agile you know boom you know sorted and of course that's great for selling stuff but does it actually get to the to the to the to the root course you know the root the thing that we're all trying to achieve which is basically better business i mean this is for biz you know we're talking about here about developing software for some sort of business you know 99 percent of the time so i think yeah it's interesting to look at it like that i hadn't quite you know i hadn't quite thought about that so There's, you know, it's funny you talk about language um and this is actually very cool happenstance. So you happen to be English. And mm. I lived in France where I had two English roommates. Mm. And um, you think about, we both speak English, right? I don't think there's any disagreement <laughs> we speak English. Mm. But when you think about language and language and business, I remember we were going to a, an all-white party where everybody wears all white. Mm. And I just moved in, didn't have white, um, I guess you would say trousers. So I went to the girls and I said, hey, girls, I need to go shopping. Do you want to go with me and get me some white pants? And they, <laughs> you already smiled. They looked at me like, who are you, creep? Yeah. And I'm like, I need to get some white pants. They're like, do you need white trousers? And, you know, tying this language thing back to DevOps, what I realized is even though I was saying pants, what, I, what they heard me say was, in, you know, in American English, it'd be underwear. Yeah. And so they heard me say, well, do you want to go underwear shopping? And yeah. um, it, was, it was a horrible language mistake. It, then did I figure out what pants actually meant? So I used trousers <laughs> for the rest of the year. Well, but you... Yeah, <laughs> you, should have, you should have offered to wear them on the outside of your trousers <laughs> for the superhero effect. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> but, but you normally do that, isn't you normally yeah, wear? What's or? different, right? <laughs> you think about like the, the language thing, and I love how you bring up the language of DevOps and thinking of it as a, a culture, as a mindset. Um, have you read um, or have you listened to, well, let me ask this first question. I think it's yes, just got to ask it. Have you read The Phoenix Project? Yes. Have you listened to 
Gene Kim, they put on, I'll call it a little podcast. You can get it on Audible. Um, it's called Beyond the Phoenix Project. No, I haven't. It's Gene Kim's the author, isn't it? Isn't yeah. He? yeah, 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 yeah. No, I haven't. I haven't often write that down. Oh, I listened to it's about seven hours of like sort of podcasting like this. Yeah. Um, I, it, you, you want to geek out. It's amazing. But uh, yeah. what I wanted to bring down was like this the idea of language and how we language DevOps. And I love how you were talking about like everybody's going yeah. against their own concept because it gets what the Chris was sort of talking about. I think this comes down to, um, I don't want it to sound too cynical, but I think it's it's very easy to to package up um, it, 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 to pack to, to to see a trend in in the IT industry and is to sort of ride the, the the crest of that wave, and is to say you know this is a new movement that's coming out you know let's um, let's like you know what's it all about and you know you can almost go to say conferences what's the big thing on the horizon like I I've seen that this uh, I think GitOps is probably going to be the next one of the next big things, and you know you can sort of see where these trends are going and you can start to sell them and I think that's one reason it's not the only reason and uh, but I think the reason that works is because firstly everybody starts trying to sell things like DevOps starts trying to sell Agile and then the way that you sell those things is to you know offer it as a solution to the problems and the problems you know in my opinion the problems often come down to this you know this risk and uncertainty and, and this exploding cost that you always get in software where it's just it cost starts to mushroom and balloon and of course these things like devops they're very nice little things to just you know just sort of plonk on top and go you know well dev devops solves this um to a certain extent, I think it's like case of the emperor's new clothes. I th I don't think these are bad movements. You know, I think these are all positive steps in the right direction. Um, but I think fundamentally, what they actually are about is about having a better language. You know, I'm I'm sort of of the thoughts that agile has improved the industry, even though a lot of people it doesn't, doesn't um, a lot of people don't think it has. Um, I'm sort of of the thoughts that DevOps is a step in the right direction. Um, but I think where I think that where I've had some good success in terms of writing about content and making videos and certainly with propositioning logic room as a, as a potential solution is that we've specifically tried to keep uh, buzzwords out of the conversation um, and we specifically try to stay away from that because what that forces us to do is to put it in a language that uh, we we try hard to resonate with the customer and that actually gets down to the the fundamental level of communication which is to actually enable somebody to understand you and then you can tell them, by the way, this is what DevOps is talking about, and this is what Agile is talking about. And then that way people can come to their own conclusions without, as soon as you mention DevOps, I've got to read a DevOps book, and then suddenly they're being told what to think in, instead of really getting down to the fundamental, you know, the fundamental idea behind this. Um, and that's just, that's just a realization that I've come to, you know, and even the people, you know, my, my, you know, my brilliant colleagues here that we all sort of subscribe to is that things are too complicated and they rapidly, you know, balloon out of control and it's all right for us guys because we're all technical and we can go yeah DevOps, yeah you know heard it all before but i mean unfortunately a lot of the people who are in business you know i mean i went to a cio conference the other day and i can imagine that you know a lot of the cios you know i wouldn't necessarily just want to start talking about these things without just having a normal conversation with them first you know um because yeah, I just think it's helpful to engage people that might be interested in these services on a on a you know more natural level, and I think that if you can if you can do that, then you start to you know you start to increase the ability to communicate, and I think that's you know I think that should come first before the movements. So. I like that. I, I think you're so key on with the communication aspect. Um, yeah, that's you're absolutely right. Don't you? It's I've seen this too. So when you're talking to outside the technical realm, you use DevOps or Agile. 
besides eyes glazing over, there is no, there, there, there's no analogy in general um, for, and there's no good analogy that's been out there in general. So I, I like how you, how, how you term that. Um, side note, I just like your recent article you wrote about functional versus OO programming. Oh, thank um, you. <laughs> I, I love I love the outlook. It's we, we, so I said I think we share a similar mindset. It's um the religions of one tool versus one approach over the yeah. other. Yeah, and, I mean, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's it's uh, yeah. It's just interesting to look at these things, and you know, you sort of see it. You, you look both sides of it, and it's it's quite fascinating, really. That um, and people really hold on to it, and you know, we've all got our bias, right? I mean, as humans, you know, we've got a bias towards whatever we've sort of cottoned on to. You know, even right now, as I'm speaking, I will have a bias onto the thing that I'm talking about. You know, my, what it is I've decided, and um, you know, I'll, I'll defend it till you know, <laughs> I'll, I'll sort of clutch onto it. This is my idea, and I want to hold on to it. Um, so, uh, you know, it's, I think it's just nice to try and you know observe from both angles, and you know. Thank you. Pete, do you see that from a, uh, is that a regional or cultural or background or just sort of level of sophistication? I mean, assuming you're going out to CIO conferences, you're talking to other people, I'm assuming that you're seeing some of this at least at a global scale. I'm curious to as to how you see different areas adopting these ideas at different levels. I can't really see any, I, to be honest, the only thing I can see that's consistent is confusion um uh, amongst it um you know i see i see obviously i mean obviously you know we're, we're still a fairly small company so you know if we had you know if we were like a few hundred people and we were more integrated in bigger bigger things i might be able to give you a more clear answer but you know all of all of most of my knowledge comes from you know the the, the few i guess the few clients that we've got but also a lot of the online stuff that i been doing the conversation that i've been having and um, and the only thing that i can get is that nobody can really agree on anything um it's just that when you when you actually peel a lot of the layers off you get the same fundamental things and so it's almost like it, it's all a bit of a mishmash to be honest right i'm i'm looking at just these this ocean of cubicles right and and uh team areas and it has a very uh, communal sort of I don't know. It's like it's like the individual is somehow lost in this process, yeah, right? Yeah. And I know I know you've spoken or, or written about right, sort of optimizing around the individual, right, as opposed yeah. to the team and, and these sorts of things. But uh, you know, how does that play into it? Because I mean, I certainly don't see anyone at any, anywhere I go talking about we're, we're gonna we're gonna optimize for this process for the individual, right? And that that will in, that will improve our delivery efforts. So, so, um, so my my thoughts are that um, I, I think it came from like a personal experience where I got you know I used to get so frustrated with you know you'd open up a code base and from the very first day I knew there was something wrong with what I was looking at because although I started as a you know like tra trainee or junior programmer that there was just all this like you know tangled up code and um, I, I had luckily I worked with one uh, I worked in this 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 really big place and I worked with one really good programmer who was just just really uh, I guess really um, fastidious and, and was just really diligent about his code and we just always wanted to collapse functions down and write meaningful names and he was the first one you know sort of taught me about you know object-oriented programming and you know I was like well, why is that important why are interfaces important you know and he explained to me you know the ideas behind polymorphism and encapsulation and I guess I was always like, well, why can't everybody do this? And I went, uh, then I went, you know, a few years later, I went to uh, learn about Agile and I did Scrum, uh, did a Scrum Master training. 
And I thought, oh, maybe that's the answer. But then I went in there and it was like lots of project managers. And, and then I got, uh, after that, you know, I saw, well, Scrum, I was on a Scrum team, really good Scrum, but it, the stuff that was coming out was still rubbish. And um, so then I, I thought I spent the next few years and slowly got onto this whole test-driven development thing and, and learning about the clean architecture. And I suddenly found that writing code in that format was was it was so much easier and the code was so much more robust and it was so much more enjoyable. And really because what I realized is that there was there are certain ways of working and this is not about technology, this is about disciplines and practices that when you when you do them, allow you to mitigate against your own complete failings as a human, which are that you get easily distracted, um, like you go out and have beer, so then you have a hangover, so you get even more distracted. Um, you are, if you're me, you know, you 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 know, you're not that intelligent. I mean, you know, you you're a clever guy, but no, you know, you're no genius, and uh, you know, you you see, all, you know, you you sort of see all these 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 things happening that are just designed to distract you. And now you've got it's even worse with social media and stuff. That really, what you need is you need to do good work. You need a you know a comfortable, clear environment with some sort of level of automation around you, so that you're literally just thinking almost like in a linear fashion. But uh, you can think in multiple levels, but it has to just be in one sphere of information. So writing code in a TDD environment is a perfect example because you can keep running code and you can leave part behind past information, but you know that what you're doing, the journey you're taking, is completely up to date. You know you've removed all past certainty, and you get this this really nice effect of just slowly building on top with clear information. And it's my thought that if everybody was to work in that way, that you would reach a state of flow. And a state of flow is the optimal being that and if everybody came together and was working in a state of flow, that you would have a, a, a for most of the time, you would have a hyper performant team is that, you know, the state of flow would be part, you know, you're communicating and collaborating and that the, the work that you're doing is of high quality and that you've re always removed this uncertain risk. So you're never going backwards because if you look at the definition of flow, you know, you're always moving forward and you've got the right level of, of difficulty in front of you. And that, you know, my thoughts were that basically, um, you know, you, you know, it, it, it is has to start with the individual and it has to start with with creating teams of people who are individually fulfilled and are individually doing high quality work and you know that's just writing code but in IT there's all sorts of other work you know there's business analysis you know I believe that a good business analysis will have the right support structures around the, around them so that they can write documentate you know they can document what software has to do in a way that works for them you know in a way that's structured it's methodical it builds upon last iterations if you're testing is that your testing efforts never go backwards if you have to do manual testing you know so the information systems and, and the people that, that help you with your testing are always building on top of each other and part of that comes into having automation to know that you're not detecting a bug twice because that's just annoying and that as you you optimize for the individual because that's where it all starts and then you slowly build up and if you have a happy individual th those people they have lower anxiety and lower stress and when you have lower anxiety and lower stress you're more likely to work well as a team and uh, you know that was my that's my sort of thought pattern on that you know the thing is uh, as i heard pete say it well if you want to be the next pete heard you should probably be smarter than you are already that's <laughs> i think he's got a secret advantage there but you know 
when you talk about flow, I mean, that is a form of happiness, right? I mean, that, I yeah. mean, in fact, that's the original the ultimate happiness. Yeah. <laughs> that is a state of happiness in addition yeah. to all the others that we know about, right? Yeah. And that was what the whole process is about. And what I hear Pete saying is, let's get rid of all these other distractions. Let's kind of focus on a few things. And remember, this state of flow is the state where all my inner voices about these distractions fall away and I get to just the thing we're working on, right? And so if we want to call it being in the zone or coding in the zone, this is what I think you really want. I mean, we want the laminar flow of our developers when they're developing. Now, I think there's a moment for conflict, right? And I don't think we're talking about conflict about environmental concerns, but I mean, we don't always know what the best path to a thing is. And that's a point where I think we have to kind of come together and yeah, say, yeah, yeah. Yeah. figure those bits out, right? But then once we agree that this is the direction which we're heading, again, I think this whole idea of a laminar flow of ideas, how do we do it with you know, reducing turbulence, right? How do we yeah. go straight ahead all together? I think that's a great idea. And I think that is a thing that, I don't think that I hear a lot of people talking about of how do I be happy where I, I could think I, I thought of like one software developer who I thought I think they get this idea and he never said it quite this way. Yeah. But his idea was how do I put a team together that is more effective? And he was trying to working on some other thoughts, but I think what he really wanted was this. He he wants people working in coordination. Yeah. So what if I said, so from the history buff, Chris, what if what if I told you all this has been solved and it was solved as an outcome of World War II? But because the the software engineering and software development background, just computer science in general, yeah. they've, been, they've been borrowing from, I mean, you think about architect is a 3,000-year-old concept. Engineer is a 3,000-year-old concept. This yeah. is all first Roman Greek, right? And so we're architects, we're engineers. Yeah. Um, what if I told you a lot of this was solved? And so as I heard you talking, Pete, have you heard of uh, Deming's 14 Principles? I've heard of Deming's, but not. I've only heard of the cycle, not the 14 Principles. So you, you hear the plan, do check that. Check out the 14 yeah. principles. What I, what I would almost argue, and it's funny as you're talking about this, because I see you having this realization. Um, and I see a lot of people having this, and this goes back to the lean. So we think about DevOps, people talk about lean. And then people stop at the bastardization of lean and don't go any further into why and how it came about. Um, but you look at like Dimming, look at Tayo Chiono. And uh, as you go into, if, as you listen to um, Beyond the yeah. Phoenix Project, you'll hear a lot of, about this. I almost see you're rediscovering in the software with the DevOps push. People are rediscovering, and I go back to manufacturing engineering because this is really what it is. It's yes. how to manufacture software. I would almost yes. say that nobody's really thought about how to manufacture software. And in 2000, late 2000s, um, somebody says, we need to figure out how to do this better. So we're going to have this coin, this concept called DevOps, now DevSecOps, WinOps, and yeah. you're talking about GitOps and everything now. But we're going to coin this concept because we want to have this journey to figure out how do we do software better because frankly, up until 2000, mid-2000s, software wasn't that big of a deal in the world. And this is this uh, is my thesis until yeah. the, the first iPhone came out. Nobody yeah. gave a care about software manufacturing software. It was expensive up until then, and it was allowed to be expensive because, frankly, it was an exception to the norm, even though a lot of people still used it underneath. It was the exception to the norm in the consumer market. But once yeah. it became valuable to consumer market, and it went yeah. from billions to trillions in returns, yeah. Um, then all of a sudden, people are like, oh, crap, we can't keep doing what we've do been doing since the 50s and 60s. Um, we need yeah. to figure out how to manufacture this. So we've borrowed from everybody else's concepts, yeah. try to put something called DevOps, and we have made it so hard and so ambiguous and just thrown technology behind it that now people are asking again as they're developing GitOps and whatnot, is there, what's the different and better way to do this? Um, 
Sorry, I was going on, yeah. on a bit no, of a I mean, I, there. I yeah, I absolutely, I, I absolutely agree with you. It's, it's, it, it is like a circle of understanding, you know. And I've, I've come to the conclusion, and it's like, okay, so obviously this is what everybody is coming to. You're not going to learn how to do DevOps if you only think about how to, if you think about software. I would argue that if you want to do DevOps really well, go understand right. manufacturing engineering. Go look at the basis of, um, of uh, systems design. And go to the bit of the history and understand how um, how um, how a uh, how goods physical goods are manufactured, handoffs are made, handoffs are reduced, how they're how they're optimized. And if you understand that, and this is why I go back to DevOps is you can do DevOps without automation. If you understand your flow exactly what you're talking about, and you understand what you're doing and why you're doing it, because you want to achieve this outcome um, organizationally to produce software as a product, then you are getting down to the roots of what DevOps is. And then this confusing talk around DevOps when it comes to CICD pipelines and Kubernetes, containers, container orchestration, all that other kind of stuff, that stuff falls into place because you realize like, what am I doing, right? If I'm building an at scale platform, I have to be highly abstract. I need to run a new world. I'm cloud native. What's cloud native? Because yeah. that's becoming the big buzz term now. Thank you, Pivotal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love the yeah. term. But it's, 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 and so as I go back to like, don't study software study manufacturing engineering as I listen to people and I listen to you talk about it, it's awesome you're like it's the flow it's about the feedback it's about it's you yeah. have I see the grasp there and everybody's talking yeah. about it. nobody's talking about it like you are not many people are um, because they just want to sell you a yeah. $280 an hour job um, yeah, to get, yeah, yeah, yeah. put your Jenkins in yeah yeah <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah not not that Pete doesn't want to do that right let's just yeah hey look I'll take your money yeah. <laughs> What are some secrets that that we can we can share here on on how to better manage teams of these individuals uh, that are delivering and manage them so that we're delivering more effectively? Maybe not faster, maybe not cheaper, maybe not better, but more effectively. Whatever whatever that is. Um, so right off the top of my head, um, the one thing that I'm really keen on uh, it's going to sound like a bit like I'm buying vegetables here, but I think source locally. Um, there's something uh, I think that we've we've often lost. Um, you know the the sort of the the work. I, what I think is really important is that we work as part of a tribe when we're doing the sort of critical work that we're doing. And um, I am really really keen on um, hiring developers and and you know the people that work with us who live around the local area. And the first, it, I guess, is uh, from a performance level. Um, uh, having looked into the research, people are just a little bit more. Um, they're a little bit less stressed if they haven't had to travel for an hour and a half. And um, the second thing is that, you know, if they live locally, you know, we've, we've already got a lot in common. And, you know, we, we I mean, for example, last Friday, there was um, there was a film festival on, on Friday. And, you know, I bumped into one of the engineers here and, you know, we're only a small company, but it was you know really nice to bump into somebody that, you know, I work with in, in the, you know, the local um, art center. And, you know, then I then I saw some other people on the Saturday and, you know, I it just adds a little bit of extra, you know, I think it's just nice to have to work to, to work with people who live in the local area. Um, I think that's really important to, to have that community. And certainly the way that I want to build my team is that we are a tribe with a common purpose. 
and you know common goals and it really helps if we you know if we if we all sort of um have we, we live local because then we have that support structure as well and i know if there's ever a problem you know someone can't get into work i can go around to their house or you know i had an operation about four weeks ago my business partner was able to just come to the house and you know we had a meeting in my house and i, I think that's the first way because that adds a a, a certain level of uh, team spirit um that's the, the first way. And the second way is to not have any rules until you absolutely need the rules. Um, so, for example, our working policy is flexible. Um, I know that one of um, one of the engineers who works here today, you know, said to me, Pete, can I, can I you know, is it all right if I go home at half 11? And I said to him, um, I, you know, we'll work from home. I said, um, what, I, I said to him, well, what's our policy on that? And he said, well, I don't know. And I said, well, I guess we haven't got one. You know, and it was <laughs> it was more of a sort of question because, you know, it's my business partner has been has been working here with him more closely. And, you know, we don't really have a policy on that. But what we what we've tried to say is, you know, it's flexible, but we, we really want we really think that we need about three days in the office. And that's certainly what I, I want to come in. But that's not because we have to and those aren't fixed. That's more because we think that's roughly what we need in order to um, decrease bottlenecks and when there are problems we think that there's so much more value of coming into the office and what we base what I try and say to the people I work with and you know we're a young company I'm still working this out what I try and say is you know try and come in as you see the problems arise and just try and collaborate with who's going to be in and when you know and try and make it more of a flexible affair and then that way you've got the freedom to, to not even ask when to can you go home early is you just tell me you're going home early because I have enough trust in you that we don't even need to I don't need to be sitting there going oh I'm being asked a question I've got to make a decision you know so I'd say those are my two, th two things is to try and work with people from the local area and is is to you know just have like no rules until needed and the rules that you do have just make sure they're focused on the outcomes and you know for us that's just about best results for our clients. Um, so from some of my most recent experience, I had people under me that were as old as 61 and as, you know, young as 20s. Um, yeah. What I noticed was even across that whole spectrum of range and experience and behaviors yeah. is the drive for thought. They want somebody who's going to be a thought leader. They know, your best people know that everybody's infallible. Is, everybody is, um, um, they're not infallible at the end of the day. They, they, people are error prone. But they yeah. want a leader out there who's pushing, who's looking, who's thinking. Um, so, Chris, to answer your question there, like, first off, I think you have to be a thought leader. I think today, um, when especially when it comes to, like, the DevOps and some of the software management aspect, there's no such, well, there are ma software managers out there nowadays, but if you're going to be good, you're going to run a high-performing team, you're not managing anything. The team manages themselves yeah, yeah, yeah. to be a thought leader. Yeah. Um, and that's pushing thoughts, pushing ideas, being out there, and yeah. working with the team from that thought perspective. I've not, I, I saw so much how... Uh, a team of mine, they just, you know, some of them challenged the heck out of me and I challenged the heck out of them. Yeah. And the solutions that came forward were nothing that any of us on our own could have ever thought were the best ones. It was always a collaboration. Yeah. Um, second one is communication. So I always do this. I call it my propaganda machine, i.e. why you see this, this setup and everything here. I'd, I'd show it to you. But I mm -hmm. firmly believe as any leader in an organization, you have to have a propaganda machine. And I use that word because I want it to be very visceral because of what right. propaganda means all the way down to your documentation of your software, how it works, your architecture. It's all designed to be propaganda, propaganda to sell an idea or sell a philosophy okay, for people yeah, to buy into it. Uh, yeah, I, I get what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I'm just going to write this down. <laughs> yeah. So like, it's, it, it's in, in your software engineer, your junior engineer, even some of your more senior engineers, they're not going to write propaganda, and that's okay. Get somebody who's really, like, think about marketing communications, podcasts, little videos, Chris, like this. These are extremely powerful inside of an organization because... Um, because people, when you talk about, they establish clarity. They help people understand yeah. why. 
Yeah. When you get into highly complex systems with a lot of overhead, the why can be very ambiguous, and so can be the what, and so the how. I mean, you have a lot of layers there that people just need something to latch onto. Um, and so yeah. you, building a propaganda machine is good. Um, I think I was okay with it in some of my uh, positions. I wasn't as good, but I, I keep practicing propaganda more and more and more. Um, that's why I'm going to. I'll be the next presidential nominee for the United States. We'll see how well that works. <laughs> As a software engineer, <laughs> it could happen. <laughs> this is a thing where you're, when, where you are headed with this, what you are trying to get CIOs to change, you know, their behaviors or to do, to change the way they interact with the teams. Now, I think one of my concerns might be that they don't care about this stuff. I'm not, I, my question is, do they even see a problem to begin with? And how do you go about convincing them otherwise? It's a, it's a really good question. Um, so you can't really, uh, if I want to sell to someone at any level, you know, if CIO is obviously quite high, then I, I literally can't, um, I can't tell him what the problem is uh, because everybody buys for their own reasons. And so if you want to, if you want to get change, you really have to, you have to ask the question first and, you know, sort of find out what the, the problems may be. Now, the problem is you don't really know the right questions to ask either. So they're not telling you what the problems are. You can't find out what the problems are. And um, which is, which is why um, what I usually do is, is, is try and, and start, you know, uh, with an honest story um, about my story, our story about where we were and where we sort of got to. And, you know, I guess the conclusion that we've arrived to as a business. And um, I guess we are looking for a narrowed down version of um, the type of customer that we deal with and someone who has seen the sort of problems and really wants, um, you know, better performance. All I can say is that I think that, you know, the higher the management, the more interested in the basics they are about things like time and cost. Um, because when you're at that level of an organization, you you really have very few levers that you can pull. You know, I think someone at that level has, you know, increased cost, decreased cost, higher fire, and there's not much they can do. So I think if you can talk to them in terms of like time, scheduling and resources, um, I think as you go lower down, you know, development managers, you know, it's like, you know, maybe interested in bugs and, and defect rate and quality and, and things like that. Um, but it's, you know, it's, it's certainly tough. And I think that really that's, it's interesting. Um, it's interesting what Bill was saying there about the thought leadership. I guess the reason that I, I do, I try and do a bit of thought leadership is to put a message out, which will hopefully just resonate with someone that might have seen sort of problems that come about, um, you know, with the thoughts that they, you know, might be interested in. Hey, we know that every movement ultimately will be upgraded. Um, you know, maybe, maybe Pete, you know, maybe Pete could help us improve and take to the next evolution of Agile, you know, whether that's he's got the answers or he helps us find the answers, you know. And that's really sort of where my head's at at the moment on that. There is a, a mindset of, you know, there, there's a budget, right? There is a timeline. There is, yeah. this is what I've committed to the board or the yeah. whomever, right? And um, th these are the things that we have to deliver. So deliver those things. I don't care necessarily if the individuals are happy. Now, they would never say that. And if you ask them, they would say, of course I do, right? But I think yeah. the mindset's very much like, I, I, I'm, about, I'm about pushing stuff out the door that's good. Yeah. So that we can meet our target objectives. So if when you're when you're when you're in the middle of an engagement, I'm you know trying to get your perspective on this, right? You know, if you're in the middle of an engagement and there's there there's that that meeting or that steering committee discussion or whatever, where it's like, well, where are we with this? You know, is 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 there a way to maybe tell a story about about this topic and why it matters and why it's important without having to get into defect rates and, you know, um, 
delivery timelines and money spent and things of that nature because those are great graphs to have right in a yeah. slide deck right when you're presenting but it seems to me like there's maybe a way to tell a story about this that is more compelling i don't know yeah, yeah i mean you you have to be i think what my the thing i've learned about this business so far is you have to be really really careful that you don't it's fine to do the whole thought leadership outside and I put that hat on and I start doing the, you know, articles and, and all that lot. You have to be really careful once you actually go into a company that you don't wear that same hat and that you have to take that off and almost throw it out. And then you just literally, you, 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 you have to almost, you know, uh, completely remove it because you can, you can come across sometimes as a bit, you know, I guess, lectury or, you know, you, you're sort of, you know, you're, you're, you're still got your thought leader hat. And of course, that's not what they want. You know, they, they, they see you've got an idea and they're interested in, in your ideas. But really, anybody, any level of organization, regardless of either they're a developer or they're a CIO, because they're all basically humans, um, they, what they want really is once you're in the door, they don't, my my business coach calls it the little professor and you want to be very careful that you you know you're you you're very careful about when you do that um and that you know that the whiteboard is is closely guarded until you're asked to do that and so if you think about that you should if you should only do that when you're asked to do that um you have to engage the conversation in a way that you all come to the conclusion that when the right the time is right that you say would it be useful if i explained something um would it be useful if i gave you my thoughts on this and that is a very, very delicate thing to do. Um, and it's something that I'm still learning. <laughs> I've certainly fallen a cropper of it a couple of times. Um, but, you know, that's, uh, yeah, you, you just got to be, you got to be careful with it. And, you know, so. Well, so I, is that, is that know your audience? Is that, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's like know your audience, like know when to speak, uh, know when to shut up. Uh, <laughs> probably for me is quite hard. <laughs> no, that's, that's, a, that's a super powerful, simple thing, right? You know, know the audience. Know when to shut up, uh, right? Are you, are you telling me something, Chris? No, absolutely not. <laughs> I, I mean, I have this problem, right? I, I have. I get up and I'll start going on and on, and and there'll be, you know, Phil is listening to some of my stories while we're smoking cigars, and they go for hours, and it's unclear what, <laughs> right? So, uh, yeah, um, no. I'm sure, it's just uh, a cigar yeah. you're smoking. <laughs> Point. <laughs> I, it seemed like five minutes to me, but it was hours to everyone else. <laughs> well, I want to I want to I want to challenge something, Chris. So, I, you know what I keep hearing as I hear the theme behind your question there, and I, and the response, Pete, that you're giving, is you guys are selling on bottom line. You're selling on bottom line outcome. What I would argue is DevOps. Think about DevOps today and the evolution towards DevOps. That has nothing to do with bottom line, and I think that's probably where the problem is. It's all about top line. Because when you look at a software manufacturing system, what you're doing is right. you're making software as an output, which is really top line. And of course, bottom line will come as you become more efficient. But you got to be effective before you can be efficient. And I really can't think of anything in the world right. that you're efficient before you're effective. It, in fact, in fact, some of those right. development methodologies are likely going to cost more, right? Uh, yeah. For skill, for number of people, tooling, whatever it is, right? Yeah. You know, it may actually cost more. But I think you're right. The the top line, the revenue. Yeah. Uh, potential right uh from delivering in this new fashion is 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 the benefit it's not oh uh, right I see what, yeah i see what you mean yeah you know if you if you have a cio or a ceo or somebody the board they want to reduce the cost of, of it of technology of development yeah you know, 
this may not be the path to go down. Cause it so, could, yeah, I mean, it, yeah, actually, I, I think I'm learning, you know, I'm learning something quite interesting here. Um, and I was literally having this conversation today is, is you know, we, we, it was there to do, we have some people helping us with our marketing. And, you know, I was like, it's really interesting because one of the things came up is, you know, do, do, would it, should we actually be selling to CIOs? Like, is that what we, we should be doing? And my, I think my business partner was sort of saying no. And I was like, well, yeah, because we can get a referral downwards in the organization. But actually, it's almost like, well, you know, is there any point in targeting that? Because if, if they are interested in that, you know, if we need to be selling more the efficiency rather than the cost, actually what we're talking about is efficiency. And that's how to easily, more, more easily tell our story first um you know these these practices and these disciplines um so that it, yeah it's a really really interesting insight so <laughs> thank you for that all right so look, we've we've ranged over uh quite a few topics um i'm you know again i remain like super um fascinated by the fact that we didn't go like deeply technical on cloud containers or anything like that i thought that was really fascinating right i mean we talked about people basically for this entire time so i guess you know Final thoughts. I mean, if you're if you're if you're out there and you're you're talking about DevOps or or some of these methodologies for for delivering more effectively, I mean, what what are the, what are the, the two things? What are the the top takeaways? Um, so I think two things. Let me keep it to two things. One, thought leadership. So if you're pushing DevOps, if you're trying to push this as a leader in your organization, you need to become a thought leader, and it's not just behind the technology. You have to do the tech for your team, but you have to be a thought leader in the broader aspect of software manufacturing. For your organization because you're going to have to lead up trust me you'll have to lead up and across and everybody there that's what you're going to have to do um that was number one uh what was number two I thought, well i'm gonna leave it there i had i had a number it's, it's two one and two right they're both the same in my piece here i think what i've seen in this is i think pete's got some great ideas one of the beautiful bits of this is he's done a great job of communicating them and I don't know if that might have been where you were headed with it, Bill. But you, you know, you're talking about thought leadership, but quite frankly, me thinking great ideas at my desk and not sharing them with the world, that's not really useful to the world. The thing I like is Pete's not playing small, right? There's stuff out there on LinkedIn. There's things out in the world where he's kind of talking about his ideas. And I think this is one of those things that he's trying to change some people about how they're going about it. And you don't, it's not a one tap and done kind of a thing. No one's just going to hear it and say, ah, I get it. I don't think, I mean, because there's some real behavioral change involved here. So it's tap, tap, tap. And uh, I think he's doing a great job of getting the message out into the world. So bravo to you, Pete. Well done. Thank you. Thanks. Yeah. I, I mean, my, my, my takeaway from this is, and I, I don't know why, I, seems like I would have thought about this before, but, you know, this idea that, um, you know, the, the flow made up of individuals performing well as individuals, right, making up a team. I mean, it seems so obvious, right? But I'm, you know, not seeing a whole lot of that going on. A lot of focus on yeah. on those individuals, and how powerful is that, right? To say, you know, look, if, if you're if you're happy with what you're doing, right, um, and you 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 have the technical background and technical skill, and you can gel as that team, right, um, and and have that sort of mutual trust and and all that. I think that you know those are the those are the high performing teams that that we want to be part of. So. That that's kind of those. I don't think those were two things, but th that was sort of my takeaway. And so, Pete, we'll let, we'll let you take us out here. You know, what what's what's the takeaway on DevOps for for those watching? And um, I I think that the the two two things. Um, so the, so the first point would really be, um, if if you want, you know, if you're evaluating DevOps, you know, whoever you talk to, um, just make sure that the the first language they speak is common sense. 
and that but that common sense you know that they have experience you know um that you know those two things together are really what a professional should be doing is talking common sense you know and they have the experience to base that common sense on although that sounds counterintuitive you know the experience sometimes helps you understand the mistakes so therefore you can come to a resolution about what actually you know is the reality and um, that's the first thing and the second thing is you know is you've just got to find what works for you and you're not going to find the same problem the same way you're going to find the same problem in different scenarios different scenarios inside the same problem and you know really um you just got to find what works for you and part of that is having a lot of humility about failure and that if you've made a mistake or if anybody else made a mistake that 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 isn't game over for them that everyone makes mistakes and that you know in order to find what works for you you're going to have to you're going to have to uh, break a few eggs so oh fantastic good great stuff um really appreciate it Pete you know obviously uh we'll we'll put up links to all all of your stuff um when we when we post this and you yeah. know really appreciate the time and i think you know you know incredible buzzword that's out there right and i think this yeah. was a really good conversation about you know what does it actually mean right so i think it was really good stuff i really appreciate it so yeah no um, thanks a lot for thanks a lot for your time yeah uh, listen uh thanks bill bensing thanks phil yanoff thanks pete heard um i'm chris lockhart this was consultant saying things we'll see everybody next time thanks thank you bye hey, great